Hi, this is Timothy Pig, and I want to welcome you to Text Driven Podcast, a podcast put out by the Ministry of Fellowship Church in Southwest Florida. Text Driven Podcast exists to equip you to know God and make Him known through text driven preaching and practice. To learn more about Fellowship Church, visit our website, fellowshipchurch.co. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Text Driven Podcast. We're trying to provide you with resources to help you to live a text-driven life. One of our main goals at the Text-Driven Ministries is to help you to remain doctrinally faithful and distinctly Baptist. And so far, over the last few episodes, we've looked at various components of being a Baptist. And we've learned that being a Baptist is more than just attending a church that has the moniker Baptist on the marquee out front of the building. For being a Baptist is about what Scripture teaches concerning God's design for the church. You could say it this way. Being a Baptist is less about a people and more about a paradigm for doing church. You see, the church is a serious topic for Christians. That term church is used two times in Matthew's gospel. One time it's used in Matthew 16, where Jesus declares that he will build his church. The second usage is in Matthew 18, where Jesus talks about the purity of the church through the administration of church discipline. Even though Jesus did not speak often about the church, we must understand the importance of the church, God's people. God's commission for taking the gospel to every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl has been issued as a mandate to the church. In Matthew 28, The Great Commission to followers of Jesus is to make disciples. And the making of disciples occurs when local churches go, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, and teach the Word of God. For Paul said that the manifold wisdom of God is to be made known by the church in Ephesians 3.10. Therefore, God's design for taking the gospel to your neighbor and to the nations is by the vehicle of the church, the people of God. So understanding that we, the church, are God's plan for accomplishing the Great Commission, that should be very humbling to us. For we're not free to do church however we see fit. Instead, We have to be the church according to God's design if we're going to accomplish the work that he has assigned to his people. And through each of our previous episodes, we've been looking at the New Testament church. We've been looking at the different components that comprise God's design for his church. In order to remember God's design, we've adopted that acronym, Baptist. 
to help us think clearly about the topic of the church. And so far, we've learned that the New Testament churches are congregations that are, number one, submitted to biblical authority. That means that Scripture is the sole authority for Christian practice. And in Scripture, we learn that what the will of God is for our life personally, but also for our churches corporately. So the B in Baptist reminds us of biblical authority. And then second, we we learn that the New Testament teaches that local churches are autonomous of one another. This autonomy is holistic. It means that congregations are not only ecclesiastically autonomous, but they're societally autonomous. For no ecclesiastical body, no, no other church has any authority over another church gathering. Uh, the churches in, in my uh, county, there is not another church that is over my church. And, and where you go on Sunday, whether it be a congregation in Georgia or Tennessee or Kentucky, there's no other church that can tell your congregation what to and what not to do. For each individual congregation is fully autonomous. But not only are we autonomous ecclesiastically, we're also autonomous uh, politically. That means that there's no political body, no government that has any authority over a church gathering. The state cannot tell your church when to meet and when not to meet. Uh, The state cannot provide restrictions on your church. For your church is autonomous from the government. All local congregations are to be autonomous congregations if they're going to follow God's design in the New Testament. So the B in Baptist stands for biblical authority. The A in Baptist stands for the autonomy of local churches. But another central component of a New Testament church is the understanding of a believer's priesthood. To continue our Baptist acronym, we need to now look at the P in Baptist. And the P in Baptist stands for the priesthood of the believer. In order to help us understand the importance of the priesthood of the believer, we're going to look at three questions in this episode. The first question is, what is a priest? And then secondly, we're going to answer the question, how did individual church members become priests? And then third, why does the priesthood of the believer matter practically? What is a priest? Well, in our current context, the term priest would likely conjure up just images of church leaders, probably within a Roman Catholic church. The community in which I live has a massive Catholic church in the middle of town square. Actually, my community is even called Ave Maria. It's not rare in my community to see a Catholic priest walking around town in the grocery store or uh, walking the sidewalks. It's also pretty easy to recognize a priest. 
Their uniform is consistent. Every priest wears what has been termed as a clergy-collared shirt. Now, the idea of a priest dates back even before the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, the priests were part of the theocracy of God's people. That's the nation of Israel. They had an integral part to play in the nation of Israel. A priest served as God's representative mediator to the people. For God would reveal himself through the priests, and then the priests would then make known to the people God's revelation. Therefore, in the manner in which the people of God knew God was through a priest. So the average person in Israel could only know about God through the mediating of the priestly office. So without a priest, the people of God in the Old Testament were restricted in their access to God. It was only through the mediation of the priest that an individual could actually be in right standing before God. One primary responsibility of the priest was in terms of sacrifice. Only the priest could offer the blood sacrifice necessary to make atonement for sins. Once a year, the priest would enter into the Holy of Holies on a day called Yom Kippur. That's the Day of Atonement. And that priest would go in and be the mediator of the sacrifice and make atonement before God on behalf of the people. He represented the people to God. Everyone, with the exception of the priest, was restricted from God's presence. Only that priest who's making atonement could come into the presence of God. So that begs the question then. If a Baptist holds to the priesthood of all believers, then we must now turn our attention to the question, how did individual church members come to be part of the priesthood? Well, as the Old Testament would give way to the New Testament, because of the incarnation of Jesus, we're introduced to a new covenant. Now, the new covenant no longer has need of a mediator through the priestly office. Listen carefully. In Christ, the office of the priest was completed. Jesus is the great high priest. And the author of Hebrews explains that Jesus has actually inaugurated for us a new access point into the presence of God. For he inaugurated for us a new and living way through himself. For he not only was the high priest, he was also the sacrifice that was given to make atonement for our sins. And by his act of sacrifice and his administration of that sacrifice as the high priest, access that was once restricted to the people has now been granted to the people 
by faith alone. So as the gospel writers tell us in that wonderful narrative of Jesus's crucifixion, you'll note that the gospel writers explain that the veil which separated God from the people, that veil in the temple, it was torn in two. And this tearing of the veil at the crucifixion of Jesus was to show that that access was now available to all who would come by faith alone in Christ. So, So listen carefully. As consequence of Christ's sacrifice, you and me can now boldly come into the presence of God. It is the completed work of Christ that has granted us as individuals access unto the Father. So now we read in the New Testament where the Bible describes believers, Christians, you and me, as part of the royal priesthood. For each and every person who is a follower of Christ has been granted unfettered access into the presence of God. We do not need a human priest any longer to intercede for us or to mediate on our behalf with the Father. Instead, we can have an intimate, personal relationship with God the Father through His Son. So why then does the priesthood of the believer matter practically. We've already discussed what a priest is, and we've already looked at how local church members become part of the priesthood through the faith alone in Christ. But now we have to ask, why does that matter practically? Well, I want to I submit to you three reasons why the priesthood of the believer matters practically. First, number one, the priesthood of the believer matters practically because of our spiritual growth. Prior to Christ's work on the cross, man's spiritual growth was mediated through a priest. Now that Christ has administered access for mankind to enter God's presence through his blood, we are able to grow personally. And this personal growth happens through being able to confess our sins directly to God. First John chapter one, first first John chapter one, verse nine. The Bible teaches if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we don't need to confess our sins to a priest any longer, but because of the completed work of Christ, who is the great high priest, who has the perfect high priest, we can now go into the presence of God and confess our sins to God personally. And this personal growth happens spiritually in our lives as we study the scriptures, as we allow the Spirit of God to reign and rule in our life and direct us. And because of the Spirit's work in our life, our minds become illuminated to the application of God's inspired word. So number one, priesthood of the believer matters practically 
because of our spiritual growth, we can now grow personally in light of the work of Jesus. Number two, the priesthood of the believer matters practically because it reinforces that man is an insufficient mediator between God and humanity. See, Scripture teaches that really there is only one mediator between God and man, and that mediator is Jesus. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. Because of this teaching, we are reminded of our desperate need for Jesus. If our hope is in Jesus, then our future is secure. But if our hope is placed in a human priest, visible priest today, then our future is damnation because only Christ is able to be our all-sufficient mediator. There is no priest who is able to mediate our salvation because that priest is also a fallen sinner. So practically, the fact that we have the priesthood of the believer. The fact that Jesus has inaugurated for us a new and living way, the fact that we can come boldly into the presence of God in light of the sacrifice of Christ, that reminds us of how insufficient we were and how insufficient we are apart from Jesus. Finally, the priesthood of the believer matters practically because it does not elevate clergy above church members. See, in the Old Testament, also in the Roman Catholic Church, the priests were in a sense hierarchically more important than the people. This was due to the fact that they were the mediators of the covenant. They were the ones in control of atonement in some regards. But now, due to the completed work of Christ, all Christians are deemed part of the priesthood. Therefore, any offices of the church are not to be viewed as being more significant. Church members, hear me carefully, church members and pastors are equal. They might have different functions, but they're equal. For they both have equal access to God through Christ's atonement. Now let's talk a little bit practically for a moment. This happens so often where members of churches will come uh, to their pastor and they'll say, Pastor, would you pray for me about this? And every pastor will say, sure, I'll be happy to pray for you about that. And he should pray with them about their matter. But oftentimes the member will say something like this, Pastor, I know God listens to you. I know that you have a better relationship with God than I do. I know that you have better access to God than I do. Would you pray for me in this? Now, now listen carefully. When that church member says something to that extent, he is denying or she is denying the priesthood of the believer. Your pastor does not have better access to God than you do. The only reason why your pastor would have access and you not have access is if you're not a Christian. 
If you're not a follower of Jesus, then you do not have access to the Father. For you need to repent of your sins, put your faith and trust in Christ alone, and then by virtue of being regenerated, by virtue of being part of the family of God, you now can boldly come before God the Father with your request. You see, the doctrine of the priesthood of the believer teaches that both church member and pastor are equal before God, for they both have the same access. Why? Because they both had to come by faith to Christ Jesus for salvation. Dear friend, the priesthood of the believer is an essential doctrine for us to hold on to if we're going to be a New Testament church. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Text Driven Podcast. For more resources like this one, go to our website, www.textdriven.org. And if you're ever in the Southwest Florida area, let me encourage you to join us at Fellowship Church on the Lord's Day. You can find the times and locations for our worship services on our church website, www.fellowshipchurch.co. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, know that we're praying for you to live a text-driven life. God bless.